Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, I have a discussion with Casey Jo Orvitas. She has a PhD in psychology, and we are going to dive headfirst into psychology of coaching, the art of coaching, and really just how to tap into the mindset of individuals you are working with as a coach. I think this is going to be super beneficial for anybody who is a coach and who is working with clients because as we discuss in this, and I agree with fully, I think this is actually one of the, the biggest misunderstandings or the most neglected topic of coaches in the fitness and nutrition space. I think a ton of people are so focused on macros and training and the science, periodization and muscle growth and things like that. And and don't get me wrong, I love that shit. I'm a geek when it comes to this stuff. But at the end of the day, if you don't understand how somebody's brain is working, how they are going to react or respond, what their personality type is, so on and so forth, how are you going to get them to adhere to a plan? How are you going to have them be receptive to what you are trying to teach them and educate them? How are you going to get them to adhere and be consistent over time and commit to a long timeline? There's so much that goes into this. And I think the psychology of a client and coach is so important, again, not only for people coaching individuals, but for the individuals looking for coaching, whether that's hiring a coach or not, you need to understand how your brain is wired and how you are doing the things you are doing, why you are doing the things you're doing and what you are probably going to do because you are doing the things you are doing. So there's a lot to unpack about this episode, but I'm going to dive into it so you can hear it firsthand. I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. Make sure you pay close attention to the things that we talk about and consider the ideas and concepts so you can apply them into your daily routine or your client's daily routines. Before we get into the show, two quick announcements, guys. First and foremost, make sure you head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating review. It is greatly appreciated when you do that for us because it helps us grow in the iTunes charts. And then second, make sure you head to Instagram, Post a screenshot of this episode if you enjoy it and if it's giving you value. Post it on your story. Tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom and tag Casey at Coach Casey Joe. That's Casey with a K. I'm going to put both those in the description of this podcast. I'm going to put links to find her in the podcast as well. Um, And yeah, without any further ado, let's talk to Casey Joe. All right. So today I have Casey Orvitas on the podcast with me today. And I'm really excited about this one because I've done – one podcast with another um, uh, somebody who has a PhD in a similar place as you and, and does a lot of psychological stuff. And I've done a couple of other podcasts where we've brought up the topic, but it's not something that I would ever consider myself an expert in, but it's something I'm always interested in. I'm always reading different books on the psychology of the people I work with, how to better communicate topics, how to uh, convey my coaching in a better manner. And I think this is one of the, the areas that a lot of coaches sleep on. Everybody is so fascinated with the best ways to calculate your macros and plan diet breaks and stuff like that, which I love talking about. But if you don't know how to talk to a client and communicate, communicate topics and strategies properly for them to adhere and follow through and stick with it. 
what's the point? Um, so I'm really excited for this because uh, one, because we actually just got to hang out recently in uh, San Diego. So I finally got to meet you and hang out with you and Sam, um, but also because this is what you specialize in. So before we jump into the, the nitty gritty of what I want to talk about today, can you fill us in with essentially your story? Like, why did you get into this in the first place? What your degrees in so on and so forth? Yeah, definitely. So hi, everyone. Thank you, Cody, for having me here. Um, so I started, I guess I will go back to where I grew up in Minnesota, currently in North Carolina. Um, but I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Minnesota in psychology, public health and sociology. So I did a lot of studying um, all in social science. So at that point, I knew I liked psychology. I knew I was interested in just how human behavior makes is so different dependent on the person. It makes such big differences, whether it's in marketing, whether it's in like public health or um, whether it's in health and nutrition, like we are now um, and just how important human behavior is and what we can do to like even leverage it for things like marketing or sales. I just was so interested in it and wasn't sure which direction I wanted to go. One area when I became probably like a sophomore in college that I found very interesting and everybody finds interesting is forensic psychology. So criminal psychology, forensic psychology, I was very interested in that. I actually became very good friends with a handful of people at the Department of Corrections, eventually decided that I maybe wanted to be a prison warden. So I'm sure this is Whoa. surprising to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that's actually funny because I love uh, criminal minds. I love FBI. I've watched, like even like back when Prison Break came out, I love that show like I love those kind of shows so you're talking I'm like that is that's pretty cool yeah yeah so that's where I thought that I wanted to go I found it really interesting um everybody found it really interesting it was just like a a very different kind of path but at the same time a very popular path right and then um it's it's also funny because I went on to be an academic advisor and we'll talk about that in a second but um sitting down with students who are now undergraduates in psychology that's where oh i want to be a forensic psychologist oh i want to work with criminals like that's what everybody wants to do so i'm like oh i guess i was one of those people um but at the same time too i played varsity volleyball for years and years and years and that was essentially my exercise during high school so getting into college i kind of had to figure out how to work out on my own that looked a lot like being a cardio bunny doing lots of circuit training all of that fun stuff <laughs> under eating turned into to slight obsession. I definitely didn't never got to the point of like eating disorder or anything super, um, didn't really suffer from anything super aggressive like that. Uh, but definitely was to the point where I was like, I will eat two bananas today in order to have 10 tequila shots and go out with my friends at night and then also go to the gym twice a day. So it was one of those situations. Yeah. Um, so wanted to be a prison warden, was over exercising and under eating. So that's where we were kind of like in college. As I progressed through college, um, did some research in a lab, realized I really enjoyed research, um, and then was starting to come to terms with strength training, um, nutrition, all of the good aspects of health and fitness and really starting to enjoy it, enjoy myself getting stronger. I noticed how the confidence that I had in the gym was going, leading over into other areas of my life. And I really fell in love with just like taking care of myself and learned more about recovery and the and how you could eat more and actually like lose weight and things, all of those fun things that Cody talks about on this podcast all the time. So once I started to fall into that, I was thinking, you know, I feel so great and so confident. And this is like quite literally changing my life, but there's so many people who have no idea about any of this. They don't know what they are capable of. And it's, it was really like a, like, 
for lack of a better term, like mindfuck to me. Like, how are these people missing out on so much? Um, and at the same time was learning about like, obviously like obesity is a huge deal. There's so many people that are overweight and aren't moving and all of this. And I'm thinking like, if this is going to potentially save your life, be better for your health, your confidence, make your just like everyday outlook better, why aren't you doing it? So my kind of ideas of psychology started to change a little bit. I moved away from the criminal psychology, forensic psychology aspects of things and got more interested in this why that I was talking about. Why are all of these things so good for us and nobody doing it? Why is why does everybody know that we need to exercise and eat healthy, but nobody's doing it? We have this massive obesity epidemic on our hands. So when it came time to graduate from my undergraduate degree programs and move on, I decided that I wanted to continue to pursue this why question um, at the graduate level. So I went to North Carolina State University to pursue my PhD. I worked with Dr. Jenny Burnett and her specialty was mindsets. I didn't know going into graduate school that I wanted to specifically study mindsets. I was again, just interested in that why. And Jenny had been doing a lot of work around mindsets and obesity and how that makes a difference in how often we exercise, how healthy we eat, um, the messaging around obesity and how that might um, kind of elicit a fixed or growth mindset in someone and what that looks like. So I was very interested in kind of like the health and mindset aspect of things, although she did, she did and continues to do lots of research in a lot of areas regarding mindsets. So I went and worked with Jenny, um, did a bunch of research with her, for her, worked as an academic advisor, like I mentioned, um, and ended up with my PhD finally <laughs> back in August of 2019. And today I own my own health and fitness coaching business. And I am doing my best to employ what I learned in my own research with mindsets and health and fitness and behavior change into my coaching practices, into my content creation, hoping to come out with a certification this year. I'm saying it here so I can hold myself accountable. Um, and just like helping other coaches too, bringing some of this psychology and mindset work into their one-on-one -on -one coaching services. I love it. I think it's so such an important thing that so many people just neglect. And I think it was actually one of the mentors and coaches I had who I was like, asking for book recommendations and things like that. And I was expecting like, uh, like anatomy or training manuals and stuff. And he handed me motivational interviewing. And I was like, ah. what is this? And then crucial conversations. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like five love languages. And I'm like, okay, now I'm getting it. Um, and it's helped me so much with my clients, my team, my employees, my wife, everything. Um, so I love that, that you dove in that path. And I think more people need to. Now this question might be extremely loaded, but go ahead and, and take it as far as you want to take it. Why are people ignoring this? I mean, you said like you were so interested in like, obviously this is good for us. This is bad for us. Movement is going to help us sitting on our ass is not going to the, the country, the world is, is moving further and further into this obesity epidemic and getting worse and worse and uh, un unhealthier as time goes, but nobody's changing it. Right. And, and obviously I think there's some sense of like uh, discomfort or change or just uh, you need to challenge yourself and that's hard for people and that's obvious, but is there something deeper going on? Like what did you come to terms with that really seemed like the reasoning and what's the solution? 
Yeah. Um, a couple things come to mind. One, obviously your mindset, right? <laughs> so yeah. that's what I spent a lot of time um, researching and diving into the research of other colleagues of mine. Um, and we can, we find over and over again that just having a growth mindset about your body weight, about exercise, about your health in general is more predictive of more exercise, healthier eating practices, and even weight loss during like weight loss intervention type programs. So having a growth mindset is huge. And um, there's, we can go into maybe a little bit about different practices and things you can do either as a coach or as yourself to kind of work on cultivating that growth mindset. Um, but another thing too, I think is just people always just waiting for the motivation to come just waiting for it to show up on their front door and then pick it up and be good to go. Right. Um, but we know just like both of you, both you and I know, and if you're thinking about this and listening to this yourself, you understand that motivation is fleeting. Um, and it's not something that you can really rely on. Um, and I'm sure you could say just as I could, I'm not motivated every day to go to the gym and eat right. like super healthy. It's just become ingrained in who I am and who I identify as. Um, and that's a whole nother aspect, just like that identification and value um, aspect of things is super, super important. Um, but I think that that's a big reason just why is that so many people are stuck in a fixed mindset. They think that like, I can't change. I've tried all these diets in the past. I've tried all these quick fixes in the past and none of that works. So I'm not going to change now. Or my parents are overweight, or this is just how, what I've always done. So that's who I am. And that's just how things are going to be. So it's just being stuck kind of like in that fixed mindset. And then also just expecting that like someday you'll find the right thing that will motivate you um, and just continuously waiting and thinking that you don't necessarily need to put effort forth to find that like quote unquote motivation, um, which in which case that's absolutely not true. <laughs> so, so how do we find that growth mindset then? You, you mentioned like there's a few specific things. I'd love to get into that exactly. Yeah, so I guess maybe where we should start is just kind of defining the difference between a fixed and a growth mindset. So the term mindset in general is tossed around a lot. I see it a lot on social media. Half the people I find on Instagram these days say that they are mindset coaches, but I'm sure if you were to ask them, what are you doing for your mind, the mindset coaching part of your business that they don't really truly have an answer. Yeah. Um, so the word mindset is definitely just like the buzzword of 2019, 2020 right now, along with things like self-care and all of these other kind of ambiguous terms. <laughs> but um, how I looked at it in my research and how it's kind of most popular, popular, popularized in um, literature in general is this kind of like fixed versus growth dichotomy. And this comes from Carol Dweck originally. Her book is a best-selling book, I believe. Um, it's called Mindset. <laughs> super, super um, interesting <laughs> title, um, but it's fantastic. And if it's not on your book uh, list of things to read, you definitely should read that one. Yeah, I'll check that um, out. But so she kind of delves into the difference between growth and fixed mindset. The majority of the work at the beginning, um, as far as research goes, was in academics and most of the time with children too. So this is also really important for parents too and how they're raising their children to have more of a growth mindset. Um, and as a parent, what you can really do is just always be focusing on um, their ability and their effort rather than their innate skills. And I'm talking about like children here, like not necessarily applauding them for like, oh, you're so smart. You're amazing. Like great job. Instead of being like, wow, you're, you're amazing. You must have worked so hard for that. Like kind of shifting that direction. But essentially what it all comes down to is your mindset is how you perceive things, how you perceive situations, um, how you perceive things like feedback or success of others or setbacks or failures. Like 
it all comes down to like just how you end up perceiving everything that's happening to you in the world. Um, so being more growth oriented with things like say feedback from other people, you might take that as, okay, this is an opportunity for me to understand where I might have gone wrong, how I can be better in the future and continue to like learn and develop. Whereas someone with a fixed mindset might receive feedback and just see that as like harsh criticism and also see it as like a threat to who they are as a person. Because as a, a fixed mindset kind of oriented person, whether that's, it can be in any kind of domain, whether it's health, fitness, intelligence, whatever, you believe that you are the way you are. And that's like who you are, right? It becomes very like personally threatening when you receive feedback or you see other people being successful because it just turns into like, oh, they can do it and I can't because I am who I am and they are who they are. Whereas if you have a growth mindset, you see someone else being successful, it's like, oh, cool, they did that? Like, that means I can do that. I should go talk to them and learn how they did that so I can also do that. Um, so it, there's a lot of different like facets and examples of where that could go, but essentially it just all comes down to like how you perceive and take in like perceived threats even. Um, or really just anything that's coming into your life. Got it. And, and so that's, I mean, and that's a really good explanation or, or description of, of the difference between the two. Now, how do we start to shift our, our brain? Mm -hmm. Do you have practices? Do you have anything like uh, journaling or whatever it is for you? Because I even get this question uh, from people and sometimes I don't know how to answer it. Like they'll say like, like, how are you always motivated? And like you said, I'm not always motivated, but how do you stay motivated? Or how do you like see like, a dream and just chase it without doubt. And it's like a ton of doubt, but like I have that growth mindset of like, I do see successful people. Like for example, this is really funny, but this is always in the back of my head. Tom Bilyeu is from a, a city called Tacoma. And that is here in uh, Washington. It's where I'm from. And it's, nobody knows where Tacoma is really outside of the state. And uh, that they, they, uh, they, they talk about the Tacoma aroma. Cause it's like this port and it smells like shit. So <laughs> But he talks about Tacoma Aroma on these podcasts. I've heard him on. And it was like the most inspiring thing. Because to me, I'm like, Tom Bilyeu is from the same place as me. And if he's doing that, like, it's endless. But again, that's not a fixed mindset. So, uh, but when people ask me this stuff, I don't really know. I'm like, I just think that way. And, and there's a lot of things I've done over the years. But I don't know exactly what things have led to it. So do you have specific things that you tell your clients or people like, hey, you've got to start doing this in your day or week to make sure that you shift to a growth mindset? Yeah, um, I think so. Thinking back to just like research and what we learned from there and what my dissertation thesis was actually on um, children that were obese and were working in obesity clinics. Um, and I helped build an intervention to shift them to a more growth mindset. And it and it did work, so here's what we did. <laughs> um, in that intervention, what they did is essentially work through a bunch of science that they might not have known already. So I know we talk a lot, and like we said at the beginning of this, like everybody knows they need to exercise and eat healthy, but nobody's doing it. So to a point, like knowledge only goes so far, but if you don't have the knowledge, it can be super powerful. So what we did is um, kind of explain to these children, like this is how your mind works. It can make new brain connections all the time. You can break old connections and add new ones and your brain is like always growing and developing these new connections. And it happens when you practice new things, try new things out, um, attempt new skills, stuff like that. So your brain is always growing. This is always happening. So it's not just like, like we want to say, oh, growth mindset is like this woo-woo thing. But, and this is actually true. Like this is legitimate science. It's neuroplasticity. Like your brain is always changing and growing and developing. And that's happening as you're 
learning and practicing and um, developing new behaviors yourself. So we kind of dumbed this down. I don't want to say dumb this down, but they were like eight to 12. <laughs> so it was very low reading level, um, like basic brain science. Um, so that was but kind of like step. Like not to cut you off, but the, I yeah. think like, I don't think that's a bad way to look at it because even some of the people that are 20, 30, 40, 50 listening right. to this podcast, they need to dumb down too. There's a lot of topics like this that are super in depth. So dumbing it down is probably the best way to go about it especially when it gets into things like neuroscience, right? Like yeah. the easiest way to say is just like you have these connections going on and they're always making new ones. But so we started with kind of like the basic science for the eight to 12 year olds. Um, and then from there, they would move into like some role model activities. And this is kind of what you're talking about with Tom Bilyeu. Like there's other people that did it. So you can do it too. Like all these other, like, look at this, like 17 year old Sarah, she changed her eating behaviors and over time got healthier and all of this stuff. And then no longer even needed to attend the obesity clinic, like routines anymore. And had just like a set of different role models that they get to listen to and read and interact with. Um, and then after that, they went into some of their own exercises where they had to actually apply some of the brain science knowledge or the role model knowledge into their own lives. So essentially giving them an example of like, oh, if you were in this situation, what would you have done like 17 year old Sarah? Or based on what you learned about how the brain changes, like what do you think that you can do now? And essentially this is where it kind of gets into like the journaling idea, right? Is that you are just taking these, um, whether it is science or just like thoughts and putting them down on paper and translating it into your own life. Um, and then the next kind of step with that too is then writing to someone else. So not necessarily like, so you bring it into your own life and then after that, not necessarily into your own life, but into someone else's life. So in this case, we called it like Dear Abby and they were writing to a new student who was coming in and they were, this new student was like nervous about coming to a new school, didn't think she was going to fit in. And then we would say, okay, based on everything you've learned so far about your mind and how it can change and how you always have the ability to like develop new skills and all this, what would you tell Abby? So they essentially have to now give advice and teach this having a growth mindset to this someone else. Um, so that's kind of plays back into like what we have heard before, right? Is that the best way to learn something is to teach it. So that's coming back into that as well. And um, that can definitely be used uh, with your clients or in your own journal entries too, is just like thinking about like, okay, if this were to come into my life, how would I respond to it? And how would I like teach someone else to do it too? I think that actually makes a lot of sense in my world because I'm a coach, I'm constantly teaching stuff and it just keeps me getting better at it. Now for people who aren't coaches, um, do you think this is the value in having a coach because you have to have those conversations with somebody else? Yeah, it's definitely, there's a big value as, as long as they're a good coach, right? And um, it comes down to a, a lot of, you mentioned motivational interviewing at the, uh, at the beginning of this episode. And it comes down to having a good coach comes down to someone who's just going to ask you the right questions and ask you good questions and get you to a point where you're kind of like having these realizations and wanting to change on your own without being told to. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that having a good coach who is a little bit well-versed in maybe this research or this, like, as, this aspect of things um, can help you get to that maybe next step within your growth mindset. I do think a lot of it is just like it's self-belief, right? Is believing that you can do these things and get through these obstacles and setbacks and ties into things like self-efficacy and value. And that turns into down the line, um, actually the outcomes that you're seeking. Uh, but it does all start kind of with this growth mindset. And I think having a coach is definitely can be beneficial, um, but it's not necessary. I don't think you need a coach to like 
have this like growth mindset revelation. Um, it's definitely something you can work on with yourself um, and that all just kind of starts with self-awareness and like acceptance of where you're at currently and how, where you want to go and what that kind of looks like. Love that. Um, you, you mentioned, you've, we've both mentioned motivation quite a few times on this podcast and, I, and I'm curious, is there a, is there a, like saying a secret or a hack is I hate that word, but it's like, <laughs> I'm trying to, is there a way for people to constantly stay motivated? Like, is that a thing? Is, is, is having a growth mindset the key to being motivated or does it come down to having a purpose or a why, or even like just actually setting goals? Like what, what is the driver that you've found with both your research and your clients to make sure that they're actually staying motivated for something? Yeah. So motivation is an interesting word. Um, there's like some good research on motivation in particular and what types of motivation are actually like better than others. Um, and a big one, it comes down to intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation. And that's essentially just like internal versus external. Um, so what that looks like is like you said, like your why, what is, why are you doing this? Why does it make you feel good personally? Not necessarily to um, look good for someone else or to, um, lose weight or to fit into even like fitting into like those jeans or something like that's all external stuff. And it's great, especially like when you're first starting off, if that, if you have that in mind, it can be helpful, but really only what we see, especially in the research is that's very like short term. So if you do want to continue this motivation over time, like you mentioned, then things like intrinsic motivators are going to be much, much more beneficial. And what that can look like is like I was mentioning with my story is that I was going to the gym and noticing that I was getting stronger and I was feeling more confident about being in the gym. And that was making me more confident in other places. And that became such a strong, like internal drive to keep going. Like I was watching my body composition change. Like I would quite literally remember being in the locker room and like looking my, my, at myself and be like, okay, I think I'm building some muscle. I cannot wait to see what I look like in a year from now. Like yeah. that was my thought process, you know? So to like get into that point where um, you're just excited about what's to come, even if it's a long time away and just being pumped about the process in the meantime. Um, and a lot of that comes down to intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivators. Um, so not necessarily like a hack, <laughs> but definitely just a different kind of type of motivation that you should really try to focus on and try to find that why, whatever it is for you to really keep you going. That makes you happy. That makes you excited. Like you it, exercise should be enjoyable and that can look like a lot of different things for people. Like some people that's just like walking a lot, like good for you. If you don't care to like build a bunch of muscle and you just want to feel good and benefit your health then like go for a walk, you know? Um, so it does come down to intrinsic motivators versus extrinsic motivators in that respect. How do we find that intrinsic? Cause I think that's really, really good. And I've, I've read a little bit about the differences and I think it's mm -hmm. super helpful for people. Um, but I've gotten this question a lot too, is like, how do I find my why? And, and my answer sometimes is like, I think you kind of let it find you in some sense. Yeah. Um, but what do you tell clients when they ask things like that? Or like, I can't find my why, or how do I get this intrinsic motivation? Mm -hmm. I, I think I agree in the respect that you do have to kind of wait for it to find you in some, in some way. Like I wasn't looking to find my why to go back to the gym. I just knew I needed to exercise and I was trying to figure out where that was. And it happened to be strength training was just something that I fell in love with. Um, but for people who do are like really, like I have clients who maybe aren't adherent right away, right? They think that their why is something that is incorrect. Like it's the wrong why, right? So they come to me like looking for a um, health and fitness coach to help them lose weight and to feel confident again. Like, is that 
okay, is that your why? Is it really your why? <laughs> so it starts with like, people have these wrong whys and trying to get them to like the right why, um, that path can look different depending on the person. But typically when I notice it needing to like be cultivated a little bit more is when I start to see clients being a little bit less adherent to things or like they'll start off super strong and then kind of like peter out a little bit. Um, and I'll come back to them and say, okay, well, why did you hire me in the first place? And then it comes, it's those kind of like surface level wise, right? Oh, I wanted to lose five pounds. Uh, wanted to feel good about myself again. Okay. It's like, okay, well, why did you want to feel good about yourself and feel confident again? Oh, well, I've just like, I've been struggling with like body image things for a really long time. And like, I just really need to lose this weight that I gained when I was in college. And I was, and then I would just push them a little bit further. Okay. So why are those things important? And then if you just take that a step further and a step further, eventually you can kind of unravel some like deeper things and then it oh it turns into like oh my mom was always dieting when she was younger and I felt like I always needed to be dieting and I kind of was brought up in this household where dieting was like the only way to do things you always needed to be like a smaller human and then I had this eating disorder you know and it starts to like unravel all these things where it's not just like I want to lose five pounds and be more confident like it's so much deeper than that so working through those things with them is really important and I think it's something that is missed a lot in coaching just like that deeper connection. And that's where we can really, really impact people. And I do think it's missing a lot. We, we aren't taught motivational interviewing. We aren't taught behavior change strategies in our nutrition certifications. We are taught like, here's a protein, carb, and a fat, and here's the Krebs cycle, and here's how amino acids work in your body. Those are the types of things we're taught, um, which is all important too, but that's not what you're dealing with really on that like expert deeper level during your weekly client check-ins when someone's coming to you saying like, look, I'm so stressed out. There's all this stuff going on. I can't handle all of this, yada, yada, yada. I just am lacking motivation in the gym. What do I do? Like knowing the Krebs cycle is not going to help you with that. So, um, yeah, I think as a coach, there's a lot that you can do. Um, when people are looking to quote unquote, like build their motivation or find their motivation or find their why. Um, and it, a lot of the times it just comes down to asking really good questions. And that of course goes beyond just like, okay, why that? Okay. But why now? Okay. But why about this? Like there's more to it than that. Um, but those, it's just a good way to start. It's that, uh, it's the whole peeling the onion thing. Right. And I think, <laughs> yes. I think for some people it's just really uncomfortable because you mm -hmm. have to continually ask deep questions to get to a deeper level. But I've noticed a big difference in, in the clients that I do have those conversations with who are willing to have those conversations with, they are more adherent. They, their results do speak loudly because of it. And, and it has nothing to do with a different strategy of macros or anything like that. It's literally just because we had that initial conversation and they're more bought into the process. They understand why. Mm -hmm. um, do you think part of this, this motivation uh, issue or benefit, whatever way you want to look at it is does like, what role does comparison have with that you know like in, in today's society there's just so much inside of media and marketing and um, comparison and you were talking about like that example of a girl who saw her mom diet and even the comparison of your childhood like I know specific things that happened in my childhood who created self-limiting beliefs and uh, these um, what's the word I'm looking for um, essentially like plateaus like kind of put ceilings on me for a while while I was chasing my career because I had these self-limiting beliefs but it was really just from a story in my past that was comparing to somebody else um, or judgment and things like that how, how much does these external factors from other people have to do with how our brain works and how we end up being motivated and chasing goals 
Does that make yeah. sense? I was kind of like yeah. a word vomit of a question. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, and the unfortunate answer is it matters a lot. And it's, it's, it's difficult, right? Because that's just societies, especially for women, societies like thin ideal, like smaller is better. Like dieting is the way to go. Like go to like any magazine. If you're still reading magazines at like the checkout line and you see it's always, it's like lose 10 pounds in 30 days, like learn how to diet correctly, like fit 1200 calories of like nutritious, like voluminous foods into your day, like that sort of thing. It's always about getting smaller, becoming a smaller human. And it's, unfortunately, it's a lot of stuff is moving in the right direction, but a lot of stuff out there is still not really having like strong proponents for like strength training with women or becoming like larger in any aspect, even if that's like growing a muscle. Um, so I, unfortunately it does play a big role. Um, and I think like you said at the beginning, like so much of this just ties back to self-awareness and being like acceptant, be accepting like what reality is and that that's how society is, but that doesn't mean that's how you have to be. Um, and same goes just for like any thoughts that you have around this, right? Like you see, you're scrolling through Instagram and it's just like abs after abs after abs after abs. And you're like, I don't have abs. I'm not healthy. I'm not the way I want to be. I'm not the way I should be according to society and what everybody else else thinks is like beautiful and popular. But taking a step back and being like, okay, I'm having like, just pausing. Like there's so much, like there's so much greatness that can be found in just like taking a second to pause and like think about your thoughts, which is a little bit like meta and abstract, but think about the thoughts that you're having. So you're scrolling through this instead of just like beating yourself up in your head over and over again, think to yourself, okay, this is the thought I'm having. Like, I'm not good enough. Like, I don't look like this. I need to be smaller. I need to be thinner. I need to lose more fat, yada, yada, yada. Okay. How like working through sort of like almost like a thought exercise. Um, and this might be going a little bit into a tangent here, but working into like a thought exercise of thinking like about this thought and like how it's making you feel. It's making you feel anxious. It's making you feel shameful. It's making you feel guilty. Okay, not good things, right? But like how much do you actually believe those thoughts when you're scrolling through and you're thinking about how like unworthy you are compared to these Instagram models? Like how much do you actually believe that? And I don't know, it might be like 60%, 70%, hopefully not totally 100%. Um, but then continuing to work through that and, and pick it apart and think, okay, so what is the evidence for having these negative thoughts about myself? and comparing myself to these other people. Is there evidence for that? And for the most part, there sometimes is, right? Like, yes, that person likely weighs less than you or has less fat on their body than you or looks better than you like on camera with Photoshop most likely. <laughs> um, but like there is always a little bit of truth there and it does ourselves a really big disservice to just like lie to ourselves, right? Instead of being like, oh, none of that's true, Casey, you're fine, like whatever, like and try to move on. Like that's not necessarily helpful. It's much more helpful to accept reality and find that there is like some truth in that thought. Otherwise we wouldn't be having the thought at all, right? But then from there also going on the flip side, thinking, okay, well, what's the evidence against that thought? All right, so going through all this thing, this person probably dieted for weeks and weeks on end and is in a very like unhealthy state to do a photo shoot to take this photo. And then there was also probably Photoshop involved and all of these things. So comparing yourself to this person is just like unrealistic because that person probably doesn't look like that person right now, if not ever. <laughs> so like working through the evidence against it's really important too and thinking like, oh, like how I look and how I'm feeling about this, like that's not who I am as a person either. Like there's so much that goes into 
how good of a person I am. And so little of that has to do with my abs and the status and the amount of body fat that covers them. Um, so like going back and forth between evidence for, evidence against, and then now taking all of this into account, working to actually reframe your thoughts into something that not only just like, not something to just make you feel better, but to actually be more accurate. Like what's a more accurate thought now that you've gone through kind of like this quick process? And it would be much quicker if we weren't working through it together right now. Um, what is like, what's a better like accurate thought? It might be something like, okay, she looks really good. She probably worked pretty hard, but she's also probably not in like a, like a sustainable physique by any means. And there's also probably like some Photoshop or some good lighting involved the end like scrolling on like I'll I'm still gonna work towards my goals and I'll get to where I want to be eventually um, I might not be there right now but I but it's just like not yet right so there's a really big big piece of power in just not yet and we can talk about that as well um, but then now that you kind of reframed your thoughts and gone through this process thinking back about like okay now how do I feel about that beginning thought that I was like unworthy, not good enough, guilty, shameful. And then how much do you still believe that thought? Like chances are after you just heard me talk through this whole thing, like you're not believing it as much anymore. And you're not feeling as guilty and shameful anymore because you like really took the time to rationalize your irrational thought. And now you're kind of at this point of where you could potentially grow, right? You could learn from this situation and learn from this thought process instead of it just kind of keeping you in that fixed mindset spot. Now you're, at, you're actually kind of in a position to learn and to develop and you, you worked through that discomfort. Like you were saying, so many people just kind of avoid this because they don't want to be uncomfortable, but so much growth is found in the uncomfortable that is really such an important piece and we don't want to just like gloss over it. I think it's like a cheesy saying now, so people ignore it. Like uh, you have to step out of your comfort zone or like growth is found on the other side of that. So people are like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's right. like, it's so fucking true. Have you, <laughs> have you read the book, uh, Loving What Is by no, Byron Katie? Mm -mm. So you would love that book. And um, what you talked about, she basically claims changed her life and she goes into the process of changing her life and it's like really powerful and she kind of gives you exercises that are very similar but it's literally just reframing the situations like you said it's um she asks three questions and one of them is is, is that true and then the mm -hmm. next one is there any evidence to prove it's true so it's very very <laughs> similar but um i think it's so powerful because and i like the way that you actually spun it to say like sometimes there is evidence right because i know for me like there was a point in time where i ignored the the state I was in and I was overweight and unhealthy and then it, it took me saying I'm fat and I'm unhealthy and I don't like the way I look for me to actually create change but I took the emotion out of it it was just like a logical thought like that's okay I can change this I just have to accept like you said and, and actually be able to change it because until you have awareness around it you can't change anything um and then there's other people who who won't even have that conversation in the first place or they they get to create these stories in their head and it's like that's not even true like you're completely exaggerating or you're projecting your stories on other people um so i really really like the way you put that uh, when it comes to specifically dieting and, and losing weight and losing fat and everything like that what are the biggest uh, psychological factors that you tend to focus on like what do you see as the biggest issues i guess with clients coming on board that you really have to work on from a mindset perspective to make sure that they're even ready to diet. Like I, I see a lot of people who, and, and I see this more with women that, that really want to jump into a diet who either A, like just aren't there physiologically or psychologically, or B, they're already there, 
but they still think they need to lose more, still think they need to chase more. And it's like, you're lean. Like, what, what are you after? Um, what, are, what are the issues that you see? And then how are you tackling those things? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it is like, like you just explained, like the women who, it, it's interesting, right? It's the women who are already lean or are already like, you're, I'll sit here and be like, you quite literally are like one of the leanest people on my roster right now. And you're telling me that you feel fluffy, like, <laughs> come on, girl. Um, but it definitely, it's, it's difficult because, and just the way that we coach and the way that we see things and um, with like nutritional periodization and all of that, and like trying to explain that you cannot diet forever. Like at some point, it's something's going to happen. Um, it's not going to go in the direction you want it to go. Um, you might start to gain fat when you are trying to pull back calories, a stress response, all that good stuff. Um, I think one of the biggest like psychological issues around that is just getting women in particular to be okay with eating more food. This is not something that men usually have an issue with in my experience. Um, I've only ever like at any given time, probably like 5% of my roster has been male, um, but they're never really scared to eat a whole lot. Um, that's not to say that there aren't men out there who do have those issues. And like, I've totally recognized that as well. Um, but speaking kind of like my, for my own client experience, it's mostly women who have again, been like socialized to believe that they just need to be dieting 24 seven, 365. Um, so working through kind of like those psychological blocks, um, it does honestly, I'm going to keep saying this comes back down to like mindset and just thinking that like, if they were to start eating more, they're just going to like lose all the progress they've ever made, put on tons and tons of fat right away. Um, and this is where some like really specific knowledge is helpful. And this is where being a nutrition coach is actually helpful and your certifications are actually helpful. And you can explain kind of how metabolic adaptation works and how your muscles need food in order to grow. Um, and just even explaining again, kind of going back to like the role model or other client experiences saying like, oh, well I had this other client who was severely under eating. We slowly like reversed her, brought up her calories and she actually ended up losing weight and looking better. So like going back to like those previous client stories and kind of getting them more comfortable with like their situation also being normal. Um, and that's something that else is, is also can be very, very powerful because kind of what you're we saying, we were contrasting like how you compare yourself to other people. You feel abnormal. You feel like, oh, I'm not as good looking or as shredded as that other person. Like you feel like there's something wrong with you instead of like kind of helping your clients come to the realization that they are in fact like more normal than they realize, which like, don't you want to make your client feel special? Yeah, yes, you do. But <laughs> in this case, like you want them to realize that their problem is not something like super unique to them. Like lots of your clients have this problem and like reiterating that, that lots of people struggle with this and it's something that we can now like work on together moving forward. And then again, like going into the science behind things and like explaining it in kind of like layman's terms and kind of feeling it out too. I think it's really important to like reflect how they're feeling and like tackle that an, on an individual level rather than having maybe just like the canned response that you send to every client who complains about reverse dieting and not wanting to eat food. Um, and really try to see again, like, cause their, their wrong why might be what's still getting in the way here. So like they are, they're like wrong why is I just want to get skinnier. I just want to lose weight. I just want to be attractive, et cetera, et cetera. So that might be what's still pulling them back in those kinds of situations psychologically. And then kind of trying to remind them of their right wise, right? Like you're just going to the gym because it makes you feel good and strong and confident. 
and you like seeing how your body composition changes over time and how cool and amazing your body is and the things that it can do, well, going through a reverse diet and then maybe a diet phase down the line will also do all of those things. And it'll also kind of like keep things exciting because you have a new goal and a different way to like approach things and focus on things rather than just like, like laser focus on losing fat and getting smaller all the time. I hate the word skinny, just to throw that out there. <laughs> the worst. I, I get clients that say that and, and I'm like, well, define that. What do you even mean by that? Like, so uh, but I can completely relate to everything you're saying. I love it. And I, I love the way that uh, you're not really suggesting any hack or any book or any strategy. Cause I, I think a lot of this stuff, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. And I'd actually be really curious to hear, uh, like your personal daily routine to help you with this stuff and like what you help with your clients on a daily basis as well. But I think it really does come down to just certain things done over time. Like you, you mentioned education. So educating yourself and being patient with that process and learning knowledge over time. Um, uh, self-talk. So like removing the word skinny from your vocabulary, like being aware that like, if you write the word skinny to your coach, delete it and change the word, uh, like things like that. I think that like there's that, that another kind of cheesy motivational saying is like, um, uh, r remove the word wish and just like, will do like kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. so stop saying I wish and start saying I will kind of thing. But I do believe that if you can actually be conscious enough to do little things like that, that aren't necessarily like a strategy in a book or a supplement you can take. I think that's what leads to these changes. Um, would you agree? Yeah, no, definitely. And there's a lot to be said for like, what comes out of your mouth or what comes out of your mind comes into your life type of situation, right? So whether it is like the thoughts that you're having to yourself or like, I think you said this at the beginning, how just like the things that you say out loud to other people and say out loud even to yourself, maybe you're mumbling it, whatever, um, can really make a huge impact in how you mentioned just like moving wish to will and things like that um, is great and is really important when trying to move yourself from a more fixed mindset around whatever kind of domain or area or attribute or skill um, into a more growth mindset um, area. And doing so with that kind of like shift in your wording, like it sounds so minimal and to the point that people will dismiss it, but I'm telling you guys, do not dismiss this. <laughs> like little things like picking up, like how often are you saying never? Or how often are you saying like, I always do X, Y, Z. So now I can't do X, Y, Z. Um, like how often are you using those words and like really picking up on that and starting to pay attention? Like that's, if anything, like there's a step one. It's so easy to do this, right? Like just notice, don't do anything else. Just notice yourself when you start to say things like never, or I can't, or I'm not the type of person who, or um, like one that we use all the time um, in research with kids is like, oh, I'm not a math person. Like how many people listening to this say that they aren't a math person? Like I said that yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so or just like saying wouldn't that. Wouldn't it be nice? Like that's another one. Right, exactly. And just like kind of like brushing it off and expecting that other people have some sort of special talent that you don't um, right. and just leaving it at that. Um, and instead being like, oh, um, I'm not, okay, not saying I'm not a math person, but I don't enjoy math and it's not something that I really am trying to put effort into get better at. Like that feels a little bit different, doesn't it? Yeah, or, yeah. or similar to like, oh, I, I've tried a bunch of diets in the past. So I'm just like, I can't diet. My body is, my metabolism is broken. I can't diet. Um, I will always be at this weight. Instead saying like, I've tried a lot of things in the past and those haven't worked for me. I wonder what's out there that will. And things like that, just like trying to shift your gears in that direction. Like even if you don't fully believe it right away, the more often you say it, the more often you think it, 
it's going to better align with that person you're trying to be. So whether it's thoughts, whether it's like sayings, whether it's behaviors, just always be thinking about who is like the best version of Casey or Cody or whoever, and how do I say things and how do I think things and how do I do things to better align with that best version? I love that. I think I, I'm, I, I feel woo woo saying this, but I'm, I'm a big believer in like speaking things into the universe and uh, like some people that have influenced me, uh, like Rob Deerdeck is an example of like, uh, like I grew up skateboarding. So he was always somebody I looked up to as an entrepreneur because he kind of took things to a different level. But he always talked about like being hypnotized into success or like speaking it in the universe. And at first I thought it was weird, but I started doing things and I, and I truly believe that it, it does help because like you said, the more you say it, the more it becomes manifested in re- reality for you. I, I even remember there was an old Eric Thomas a motivational video that I watched years ago. And there was a quote, if you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you will be successful. And I wrote that on my mm-hmm. mirror and I used to wake up, look in the mirror and I'd say it out loud three times every single morning. Um, and I never erased it until the mirror broke. I literally said it every morning for like multiple years. And it's like the cheesiest thing to talk out loud, but it was something like that, that got me thinking more positive first thing in the morning. And as cheesy it is to talk to yourself in the mirror, like I think your willingness to do those things shows your willingness to succeed and your ability to succeed essentially. Discomfort um, again, right? Yeah. 100%. Um, so I'm curious on, on little, uh, it could be cheesy or not so cheesy things, but like things that you do or things that you recommend your clients do on a daily basis to, to help them shift their perspective and how they're, they're speaking and how they're acting. Yeah. So it's interesting. You caught me in an interesting time because I am trying to figure out kind of how to rework my morning routine and what it looks like. Mm. Sam is all over it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Sam's my boyfriend. We live together and he just has it like exactly routine is down pat exactly what he does. And I'm over here like, oh, maybe I'll try this today or maybe I'll do this or maybe I won't have a morning routine. Who the fuck needs morning routines anyway? <laughs> so um, I've been trying to see kind of like what, what, what works for me, whether it's like to-do lists or journaling for a while. I was doing like longer form journaling, but that was hard to keep up with just because it was like long. Um, so right now I'm working on just like really basic, like three things I'm super grateful for, like a few critical tasks that I really want to get done for the day. And then on top of that, like one or two tasks that I don't necessarily need to do, but I really want to do. I have so many tabs open on Google Chrome of papers I want to read and articles oh, I want to read. Oh my God. That's and like I my just media keep, guy. I just keep finding them and I'm like, oh, but I never take the time to actually sift through it. And like, hey, that's content. That's help for my clients. That's like so much good stuff there that I can learn from. And I'm just like not taking the time to do it. So really trying, and this is just this week, so I can report back later, um, but trying to figure out if that's kind of the best way to go about things and really make time because it's, and it only goes so far to read your self-help books, listen to your self-help um, podcasts, like work on personal development. Like I made a post about this recently, how like, growth mindsets aren't just about reading self-help books. Like you need to actually employ these things and try things out and figure out what works for you. If like longer form journaling, isn't it like taking, like you see all this stuff on Instagram. It's like take out, people take out their journals and set up their candle and get their cup of coffee and use this beautiful filter. And it's like, that's what journaling should look like. Like that's not my life. I'm sorry. (laughs) So, um, just like keeping in mind that like the definition of journaling can look different for you too. Right. And just where kind of growth mindsets can get cultivated here is just keeping in mind that like figuring out what works for you takes effort, takes like different strategies, like takes like different, trying different things, seeing what works, seeing what sticks, seeing what doesn't. Um, and then going from there and being okay with that. Like I'm, you caught me, like, I don't have a morning routine. I'm trying to figure that out right now. Um, and seeing what really makes me feel the most productive, most, um, 
like the best starting my day. Like I can't take like an hour and a half in the morning. Cause that would just give me anxiety. Like I need to start doing stuff. Yeah. Um, but like also at the same time, like I have a pretty consistent, like 30 minutes at the end of the day that I'm reading that Sam and I are having like a real adult conversation, not just like talking to the dogs or like really quick snippets of combos throughout the day. I'm taking some really intentional time together or with myself. So that is something that I have been doing for quite a while now. It's kind of like unwinding time. Um, whereas in the morning, I'm a little bit like get up and go. So that needs to be a little bit quicker, but see, that's, that's kind of for me, right? So your strategy yeah. can look totally different. I think uh, I like what you said about motivation. I think motivation is pointless uh, if, if there's no action to follow, mm -hmm. right? So you can watch, I used to watch Gary Vee videos all the time, but until I actually started doing something, like it, it meant nothing. It was just like fuel that wasn't being burned. Um, like and I also think that mindset. like, what's that? <laughs> I said it's like a fake growth mindset, right? 100%. It's just like, that's exactly mm -hmm. right. You're watching somebody else's growth mindset. Yeah. yeah. You're not changing yours. Um, I, I also think that I think like daily routines and stuff. I think it's very, very dependent on the person. Cause I know people that are just like Sam and Sam is a very organized person. So I know people that are like to the T the same thing every day and it just never fails. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I'm that way, but if it doesn't change after like 30 to 45 days, it doesn't work for me anymore. Mm -hmm. so my routine is constant. Like I always have a routine in the morning, but I actually change it quite often. Um, and so it's always hard for me to give people my morning routine too, because yeah once it stops making me feel like I'm in power or control or motivated for the day, then it's not working anymore. It's stale and it's getting boring. It's becoming the norm. And I think the power of a morning routine for me is it really like shifts me into like change and discomfort and, yeah. and motivation. So I have to do something different every day. Like um, whether that's a cold shower first in the morning or like I used to go in the garage and do the assault bike like right away for a while because Ooh. it was like <laughs> just so it was just so shitty to do a 60 second all out sprint first thing in the morning on a, an assault bike. And it was right in my garage in the cold. But it woke me up and it got me like alert and like fucking ready. And, and that lasted for a while, you know? So I think that, <laughs> I think it's very dependent on the person. Um, and I'm sure you experience that with your clients too, right? Not all of them mm -hmm. have the same exact routine. Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. And I have um, like a, I think about like half my roster right now is not even really truly focused on nutrition and training and macros and programming. Like we are, we take deliberate time to work on specific habits, whether that's like mm. working on relationships with other people or with themselves or personal development exercises. So a lot of my coaching is, I don't want to call it life coaching and I don't ever want to call myself a life coach, but, and that's what I mean, it turns out to be for a lot of us too, just as nutrition coaches, right? Right? Yeah. We realize that as time goes on. Um, but a lot of people are coming to me, like I will literally get applications that say, I'm not your typical client who just wants to lose 10 pounds. And I'm like, sick, you're the client that I want to talk to. Um, so people who are really seeking kind of guidance in how um, to go down this personal development path and to like really change all aspects of their lifestyle, but always having kind of that cornerstone of health and fitness and knowing that that, because once again, like going all the way back to like my story, like that's where I started to find like what really made me feel, feel the best and like changed aspects of my life. So I definitely always encourage keeping that as a cornerstone, but then like there's so much other stuff going on. Like, like we got to address those things too. Uh, absolutely. The, the last question I have on this topic for you is um, kind of similar to the last one, but with coaches. So uh, like where are coaches missing the ball with the psychology thing? Like what are they leaving out? What do they need to focus on? What, what should they be aware of when it comes to coaching their clients? And, and it doesn't mean like anybody listening, you don't have to be uh, a psychology major or you have to, don't have to be an expert, quote unquote, you don't have to call yourself anything, but you should probably be aware of some stuff, right? So mm -hmm. what are those things that you see coaches missing the ball on and what are you educating coaches to start doing more of? 
Yeah, I think one thing that I bring up all the time is just less telling and more asking. So just like more questions, like just to be blunt, like shut up for a second and like let your client talk, even if it means like, not a lot of us are getting on phone calls and stuff, right? So it's like, shut up means what? Like, just don't respond to them via email. Like, no, like, please respond to them. But if you do get a chance to like get on the phone with them, or if you use Voxer or even text message and you go back and forth, like really like if you ask them a question and it takes them a while to respond, like let them sit in silence for a little bit, you know, like again, lean into that discomfort. Like that's where the growth shit is. Um, so I think it's just a lot, a lot of just telling and prescribing in coaching and that's we're not really taught any differently so it's definitely like at no coach's fault like again learning about mitochondria not about like how to change the behavior of their client and have like a really strong connection with them and build like this like communication strategy toolbox so in general i would say just like more questions ask more open-ended questions right so not just like yes or no questions like oh do you want to diet yes i want to diet it's like oh where are you at with dieting and how are you feeling right now like let's get into that right um and then other questions like imagining your life after like achieving whatever goal it is like what does that look like like that can help like kind of breed success or focusing on previous successes like what did you do then that was like super helpful when you lost 10 pounds the first time you know so there's like we could go on and on about like different types of questions but I think in general just like asking more questions and then also what can be really helpful too and just like getting clients to trust you more and we know that like trust is just super important too trust and connection and obviously those two work together um but just asking permission before you dole out advice all the time instead of just like in half the time obviously they're coming to you because you are a expert in nutrition and they want to know like how to get more protein in. Like don't, you don't need to respond to them and say, can I give you some ideas of how to get more protein in? Like, no, just tell them to eat more egg whites and like, pick up some beef jerky, you know? So, um, but in other cases where it's like, they're struggling with like X, Y, Z, and they're just kind of like unloading on you, which does happen. Um, in that case, then it can kind of, you should like take a step back, like soak it in be like, okay, here's what I would want to say to them. Maybe come back and say like, oh, I have some suggestions for how you might be able to better approach a conversation with your significant other. Would you like to hear them? Or I have some ideas of what have worked for my other clients. Would you mind if I shared them with you? So just asking that permission just put, takes you out of like the super expert, like looking over them kind of role and allows them to be like the focal point, which they should be. That's why they came to you and that's your job, right? So I think a lot of the times it just, it just turns into prescribing and telling and not enough question asking or asking for permission before you are doling out advice um, and just being very mindful of that. I love that. I think that's huge. It's, it's actually cool because I've, I can think of multiple conversations where I'm making adjustments to somebody's plan and I will, will almost approach it as if we are collaborating on it mm, um, instead of just saying change this adjust this it's it's like what do you think about this how would you feel if we adjusted this because i want to get their reaction or even giving them options like hey there's two routes we could yeah. go with this we can you know take this path we can take this path we can adjust the diet this way or we can adjust the training this way and seeing what they lean more towards because that's just going to allow them to feel more in control and, and have better adherence too so um i really like the way you answered that um I lied. There's one more question. The last question I have for you before I let you go is uh, book recommendations. So like, what are your top three, top five? Um, I mean, you can list as many as you want, but like really good books that um, uh, textbooks don't count here, but like things that uh, people can actually read, absorb and, and help themselves with this. 
Yeah, um, I definitely think Mindset by Carol Dweck. I mentioned that earlier in the podcast, so we're definitely going to make that number one. Um, I've recommended it to a handful of people recently, and they all came back telling me that they loved it. So this isn't just me, who is like a mindset researcher telling you to read the book called Mindset. Like, there's other people. It's it's a great book. Um, after that, I think... Um, I really like Jen Sincero's books. She read, she wrote um, like You're a Badass, You're a Badass at Making Money, You're a Badass at all of that series of books. I don't know if you've heard of it, Cody. Um, but I really like those books. They're a little bit more like, it's a nice combination of like a traditional self-help book. And then on the other end of the spectrum being the, like the subtle art of not giving a fuck, like how that's like very blunt. Yeah. She's a good like middle ground, I think, and kind of pulls on both of those areas. I just really enjoy her writing and think she's just a fantastic author and human in general. So really like her books. Um, yeah, I've gifted a uh, couple of those books to clients multiple times. Yep. Me too. Me too. Um, so definitely like that. Um, if you were interested more, I know when we talked about kind of like the thought process and breaking down like the evidence for evidence against kind of situation that all comes from cognitive behavioral therapy. So I'm thinking that the book that you mentioned, Cody, she probably is just well-versed in CBT as well. Um, a lot of that, just those practices come from like CBT cognitive behavioral therapy is a very, very well-known, um, psychological therapy for reducing anxiety, depression, or any kind of like negative thoughts in the psychology, like clinician space. Um, and then we can kind of pull on as nutrition coaches, obviously without being like licensed clinicians. But um, if you are interested in more of that, there are some pretty good books out there that break down um, CBT and those exercises more simply. I don't know the name right off the thought, right off the top of my head, but I think it's like um, like seven steps to cognitive behavioral therapy or something. It's a workbook. And this is something that I have gifted to a bunch of my clients as well. Um, and it's based on a lot of that thought process and you can literally write into it. So if you're looking for more journaling and you thought that like that um, thought process exercise that I went through a little bit earlier was interesting, check out that book. I'm sorry, I don't know the exact wording for the title. Um, it's blue, if that helps. <laughs> I'll, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I'm going to put those in the show notes. Um, the last thing is just where can people find you? You put out a lot of really good content, um, not just about this topic, but a lot about, about a lot of things. So like, where's your Instagram? What else do you have going on your website? Everything like that. Yeah. Right now, uh, the place that I really love to hang out is Instagram. Like Cody mentioned, I'm at coach Casey Joe. Uh, I'm trying to get into more social media platforms, but right now Instagram is a lot in and of itself. So maybe try to find me on LinkedIn or Facebook, but there's probably not going to be a lot there. So please just come say hi on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you. I also, as we were kind of talking at the end about habits, um, a little bit more and how to like move stuff with motivation into your life and try to move away from motivation, maybe more into like making things a little bit more automatic. Um, I do have a free habit formula. It's essentially like an interactive worksheet that brings you through like what your, your over, like overall goals are, what specific behaviors might be good for you based on your lifestyle and your desires to kind of move you in the direction of that overall aspirational kind of goal. So I have that. You can find it at kgocoaching.com. And from there, there's two separate forms for if you're a coach or if you're not a coach and it'll kind of like adjust the questions that it asks based on that. Dope. I love it. I'm going to put all that in the show notes. I highly recommend uh, all of her content, but especially that worksheet. That's a really cool free giveaway. So um, Casey, thank you so much for coming on. I uh, really, really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Cody. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. 
I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.